Hello, everybody. Welcome back to For the Girls. We are very much enjoying this double header we have here, and we are so excited for Spain. We have said good riddance to that final chicane, and it has us hoping for some good action at the end of the lap there. It is the home Grand Prix for two of our beloved drivers, Alonso and Sainz. And because Alonso is fully having his moment right now, and we are loving every minute of it, of it. <laughs> <laughs> Our special topic today is none other than a Fernando Alonso deep dive. So we'll get right into it. I'm Tiggy. I'm Chessa. And I'm Sarah. We feel like this is going to be a really fun one. We're going to get a way better sense of team upgrades. And although the track isn't historically super exciting for overtaking, we're hoping for some more action with the removal of that final chicane, and for context, this layout hasn't been used since 2006. This means we'll have a faster end to the lap, but drivers are definitely a bit split on that decision, so excited to see how it plays out. It's supposed to really help with tire wear, which is typically really high at this track, so it might push teams to do two or even one-stop strategies. And overall, so excited about seeing these upgrades because since testing is done here, the teams have so much experience at this track that people can really put their best foot forward with what they're bringing here. Hope they bring it. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's talk about the circuit. So this is the circuit de Barcelona, Catalunya. So teams are very familiar, like Sarah said, because they've raced here since 1991. They did a lot of preseason testing here um, in the past. So there's things to consider like the testing, the racing, and the simulator. So they're all pretty much set on this one. Um, and on this track, there have been some pretty iconic battles including the Schumacher-Senna battle. So the track is 66 laps, so definitely a shorter lap. Um, two DRS zones, 14 corners. There's a lot of medium and high-speed corners. There's some elevation changes. And one of the straights is over a kilometer long. So I, for one, am very excited to see that. But even despite that long straight, overtaking has been historically pretty tough on this track. There will be one main overtaking, overtaking opportunity, and that's going to be at turn one. So Similar to Monaco in the sense that quality will be very, very important here because most races tend to have been won by the pole sitter. So hopefully we'll have two exciting drama-full days. <laughs> I'm drama hoping full. so. Drama-full. Drama-filled. Dra <laughs> drama filled. <laughs> filled with drama. Uh, so just a quick plug for the sustainability focus at this track. This circuit was the first to be given the three-star FIA environmental accreditation status that we've talked about in the past regarding teams, but tracks can get it too, which is exciting. They have done this sort of through adopting what they call the 3C philosophy for sustainability. So focusing on consciousness, commitment, coherence. And since 2017, all the electricity used at the Spanish Grand Prix has been powered by 100% renewable energy. Wow. And yeah, wow. very since exciting. 2017? I know. That's they, awesome. They were the earliest on this train, I feel. Um, they have also pioneered a zero-kilometer food program, which means that food for the track is sourced ultra-locally and the leftover food is donated to local charities after the weekend. And they're also big on biodiversity. They have a circuit forest surrounding the track to support their biodiversity strategy, forest restoration program, all of those things. So one of my favorite tracks because of all of this, wow. which is super exciting. Now yeah. it's my favorite track. <laughs> <laughs> so this track has 
Been there since 1991, and it was actually built as part of the 1992 Barcelona Olympics development program. It was the start finish for the road cycling event. So that is such a good fun fact. And another fun fact about the Spanish Grand Prix, not at this circuit, but it's the only Grand Prix in which a woman has scored points. Let's go. Yeah, crazy. Lil Lombardi finished sixth in the 1975 race, scoring half a point since the race was cut short after a crash that killed fans. So insane story. And it's very sad that it's crazy that a woman has scored points, but here we are. (laughs) And its debut race was the famous Nigel Mansell and Senna drag race down the straight. And then in 1996, Schumacher took his first win as a Ferrari driver during an absolutely torrential downpour at the Spanish Grand Prix. And in 2006, Alonso became the first Spanish driver to win his home GP. I have such, <laughs> I know the Alonso hype train is like taking off, but this being his home race is just such good energy. It is. Also, 2006. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> This definitely feeds into my hot takes, which I won't say now, but I feel like this track is primed and ready for some historic moments. Okay, let's talk about last year's race before we talk about um, what we think each team is going to bring this weekend. So last year was very familiar. We had a Red Bull 1-2, but despite that, there was a lot of good racing. It was a hot race, but it was super windy and drivers were like literally going off the track at turn four. Charles was in the lead. It was looking pretty comfortable for him to, to get P1, but then his engine died and he had to retire. And this was like the really sad radio. He was like, no, 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 no. What happened? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that was like, I think last season was definitely, we have we could have a pretty good long compilation of sad Charles moments, oh. but this one I think takes the cake. Um, never forget play. Though, the Taylor Swift one. Yes. I think it was at Imola when he had that unforced error and just ran into yeah. the wall. And it was like, I knew you were in trouble when you walked in. So good. <laughs> we, could, we could literally play his backing track music now uh, it goes well with his sad radios we should do a <laughs> remix of last season's radios with this season's piano music okay exactly we did yeah. like a beat drop in there too <laughs> with the chat gpt song <laughs> oh my god yes um, anyway so to finish up last year's race there was also some amazing wheel-to-wheel action between max and george and then this was when checo was told to let max pass max ended up winning by 13 seconds but then there was a lot of debate over those team orders and whether or not it was too early in the season for the team to have given Checo orders that would have let Max win. Lewis had an insane race. He was back of the pack at P19 with a puncture and then over a minute behind the leader, but then he ended up finishing P5. So excellent from him. So the podium was Max, Checo, and George. And then this is the one-two race where both championships change hands from Ferrari to Red Bull, and then nothing has changed since then. So this race is also cursed for Ferrari, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. So jumping into the teams for Red Bull, Max's maiden win in 2016 was here when he became the youngest ever driver to win a race at 18 years old. And nonetheless, in his debut for Red Bull, this was the race that Lewis and Nico Rosberg crashed into each other and had to retire. But Max had an amazing race. And yeah, became the youngest ever. Also became the first Dutchman to win a Grand Prix. Very exciting. The big question for this weekend is how Checo bounces back from Monaco. It was his first time not scoring points this season. And it's widened the gap between him and Max. And also Alonso. Alonso is only 12 points behind Checo now. So 
they are going to be in a battle, I feel. But yeah, this, this feels make or break for him. This should be a good track for Red Bull. I mean, what track isn't, to be honest, but yeah. <laughs> expecting continued dominance from them. They're bringing upgrades and they are, quote, trying something new, whatever that means. But I feel like if it's Red Bull, you know, every year we're going to have such a new car and it's it always looks the same. So I don't fix what's not broken. <laughs> I, I totally agree. But I'm curious what say, new is. One, it's going to be one additional little sponsor or color on their livery. <laughs> whereas mercedes it's time for those upgrades to shine we hope it's so funny because in our preview for this race last year we're talking about how this race would be the decision point for mercedes to choose if they were going to stick with their zero pod concept or go back to the more standard side pod so really come full circle <laughs> until last year lewis had won here every single year since 2017 oh do we dare jinx that <laughs> <laughs> i mean he already lost last year but uh, i'm hoping for something good oh my and god <laughs> mick will be making his debut in the mercedes the full day of pirelli tire testing next wednesday in barcelona i don't know i'm I feel like I say this all the time. I'm waiting for the day when Mercedes just comes out of the woodwork, but I feel like there was no chance for any of their upgrades to shine in Monaco. So I don't know. I feel something coming. Speaking of having things coming, I think Ferrari hopefully will have a good race here as well. It's Carlos's home race. He's always had a lot of support at this track, but I think sharing the spotlight with Alonso will mean something a little bit different, especially how competitive Alonso is this year. Um, And we can throw it back. To last year, remember when Drake put 300k on Charles winning in his first ever F1 bet, and then Charles <laughs> literally DNF'd. <laughs> R.I.P. Sorry, yeah. Drake. Um, Did he just but, post this? No, he had never talked about F1 ever, and then just posted yeah. a screenshot of a 300,000. <laughs> and he was fresh off doing all of his bets um, from the Kentucky Derby. And so we're like, okay, he's got this, he's got this, and then he did the Charles one losing bet. <laughs> Um, but apparently Ferrari is bringing upgrades this weekend, mostly around the body work. So maybe that'll help them make up some pace and be very competitive with the Aston Martin. We shall see. For Alpine, they are definitely riding high after Ocon's podium, hoping to keep the momentum going with the upgrades they brought to Monaco. Ocon originally said he would have been thrilled with a top 10 with those upgrades. So that's very endearing so in much. hindsight. <laughs> All the videos of him with like the trophy riding back on the boat, in the car, like it's so, so great. I'm living for all of that content. Uh, they are another car with upgrades that we're excited to see on a track other than Monaco. So hoping they can bring something good here and continue the momentum. For McLaren, maybe it is all up from here because they had a really tough weekend in Miami, but then they had a nice double point points finish last weekend in Monaco. So really excited to see if McLaren can keep the train moving in the right direction, see if their car is up to the challenge. It might be tricky on the long straights given the amount of drag on the car, but very excited to see. And I think Piastri really at this point is just undoubtedly the highest performing rookie. So definitely, definitely. Yeah. Just is like, no question. Zero. Um, but the big news this week is McLaren's new hire. They've recruited Red Bull's chief, chief engineering officer, Rob Marshall, who's going to leave Red Bull effective immediately for his non-compete leave. And then we'll start with McLaren in January 2024. Everyone was super excited. Both drivers posted this. It's really huge news for them. A little background on him. He worked 
at Red Bull for 17 years. He previously worked at Renault and worked on their Constructors Championship winning mass damper system in 2005 and 2006. And most recently, he's been heavily involved in Red Bull powertrains. So Rob knows Rob knows what's going on. He knows how to build a winning <laughs> car. And so what does this mean for McLaren? First off, it really shows that together Zach Brown and the new principal Andrea Stella are trying to chart a new course for McLaren. They're all about action and really rolling their sleeves up. So super excited for that because I feel like we've been saying for a long time, we hope that they're kind of making moves, making changes, and they are like putting their money where their mouth is, making it happen. For sure. Yeah, and this is – remember, this comes off of the team implementing that new technical structure where they're kind of like splitting the technical roles across three different really important people. They've also hired – a few other high-profile employees from other teams. They hired the Ferrari chief designer, chief chief designer, and an Aston Martin aerodynamicist. So I think they're really not just focused on technology and infrastructure, but like getting the right people and personnel and expertise in. Because remember, when you hire someone from other teams, you get some of the expertise that they have from that team, even though it might be like a little bit clouded. Um, but I think hopefully that'll yield some strong results pretty soon and in the coming years. But what else do you guys think? I think this is huge for them. It's a super high-profile name. Apparently, they were knocking on some doors, including Adrian Newey's, unconfirmed. What? But that's, that's the rumor. <laughs> but this is a really big get. I think it's going to be huge for them. And obviously, we won't see it pay off immediately. He doesn't start till 2024. These things take time. But I think this this is really exciting. And I can totally see how people would be kind of incentivized to make that move because I think it's so fun to be part of a project where you can be a huge part of kind of bringing a team back to the front when it's such a historic and storied team. So I can 100% kind of see the – with especially with two such young, talented drivers. So I can definitely see kind of the motivation there and very excited to see what this brings going forward. Agreed. For Alfa Romeo, they also brought upgrades to Monaco, so they're looking forward to testing those out on a bit more of a representative track. Uh, fun fact is Alfa Romeo was the first F1 car to be out on track this year, and it was at Barcelona for a filming day. So okay. maybe that bodes well for this weekend. <laughs> they were pointsless in Monaco, but generally felt positive about the weekend with the driver performance and pit wall strategy. Um, so hopefully that bodes well for for Spain. For AlphaTauri, they brought a new floor to Monaco. So again, this is a trend. If you can't tell, it's another car. We're excited to see perform in Spain and not in Monaco. Um, so yeah, we'll see what what's coming for them. The floor thing is reminding me. Yesterday, the Mercedes admin posted a picture of Lewis's car in the sky out a plane window. Flying <laughs> <laughs> floors so in Monaco. Funny. Imagine just like being in your Monaco apartment and looking out your window and seeing like a car just floating by. The dream. <laughs> For Haas, so they had a rough go in Monaco. K-Mag stayed out too long on slicks, DNF'd, and then Hulkenberg finished second to last after his time penalties. So I think, well, Hulkenberg said that he thought their issues were Monaco specific and that there's more hope for Barcelona. Everyone just seems super darn hopeful. So I'm excited for this. Um, <laughs> But Haas still sits above Alfa Romeo, Alfa Tari, and Williams in Constructor. So it's theirs to lose, I think. They, they have a little bit more going for them. For Aston Martin, Alonso has made some comments about how they haven't given up on the Drivers' Championship yet. 
and that if it were <laughs> I'm laughing sorry <laughs> The, there's a second part to that quote. Sorry, yeah, let me did yeah. continue. Uh, if it were any other season, he would be winning the championship right now. But the big but is that Red Bull is just so out of everyone's league that it's not even a fair comparison. Got it. I feel like there's some truth to that. Like, I don't know, Alonso, especially when you look compared to Stroll in that car, like he is performing so well. Like if we took Red Bull out of the picture, like <laughs> he definitely Max. would be. If you took Max yeah. out of the picture, because I actually think Alonso is going to be contentious for Checo. Yeah. Yeah. I think Alonso is a better driver than Checo. Sorry, Checo. <sighs> I have to agree with that. I'm sorry. Deep breaths. <laughs> um, but that is kind of a hilarious quote. It's like, okay, if we took out the number one team, <laughs> I would totally win. <laughs> <sighs> I but, mean, it is, it is, there's some truth behind that. Yes, <laughs> it definitely is true. Alonso's last win in F1 was at this track in 2013, 10 years ago. Plus, it's his home race. So, really good vibes here. Home support all around for him. I don't know. That feels like what a combo. Last win, home race, 10 Come years. Come on. This is also hinting at my hot take here. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> for Williams, it definitely feels like luck has not been on their side this season, despite some promising performances. Albon said about Barcelona, it shouldn't be a track that normally suits us, or at least it hasn't been previously, but they think by removing some of the corners at the end of the lap, it will help them be a bit more competitive. So we shall see about that. So for hot takes, predictions, for me, I'm just going to keep this Alonso train rolling until he wins. So I'm going to put my force behind a home race win for Alonso. Nice. I love that. Definitely here for that. <laughs> I'm going to say Mercedes on podium. I am just feeling good about these. I don't know. I want to – I feel like for over, well over a year, we've been talking about Mercedes bringing upgrades, Mercedes bringing upgrades, Mercedes bringing upgrades. So I just <laughs> want to see something happen here. It makes me really it. happy, Sarah, that you're saying that. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> if Sarah believes it, it must be true. True. <laughs> sure. Exactly. <laughs> And then I'm also going to go with both McLarens and the points again. I don't know. Ooh. It's with the 60th, the double points in Monaco, this big hire. feel like the energy is good there this week. That's a good one. Okay, Rogue. I'm going to say both Spaniards on podium. That's not that Rogue. I feel like, I feel like there's, there's a I good chance. I think knock on wood, we're going to get a Spaniard on podium. I want both. I mean, it would be like a P1, P2, or like a P1, P3 sandwiched by Max or something. But Who would you throw out as the third person on podium? Max. Who's, who's, a heart, fun, who's a fun third podium spot? George. Okay. I like that. Or, uh, both Girl, Ferraris. imagine, both imagine Ferraris and Alonso. Yeah, imagine it was both Ferraris and Alonso. Oh, Red that would be awesome. Be <laughs> <laughs> okay, for news this week, this was one of my favorite headlines of yes. the season so far. F1 Juniors. Nico Rosberg is collaborating with F1 and Sky Sports to produce a broadcast especially for children for the Hungarian Grand Prix. They say it will include special graphics, sound effects, things like 3D augmented graphics on specific camera angles. Aww, so and cute. <laughs> my favorite part, the the young ones are even going to be taking on broadcasting roles, like interviews with their favorite drivers, other big names from the paddock. I And they'll be I'm commenting, just... <laughs> like commentating during the race. 
It's so sweet. They're going to be co-hosting with Natalie Pinkham, the Sky Sports F1 team, and yeah, commentating during the race. So casting calls, kids, are happening for ages 10 to 14. Uh, so that's super exciting. I think Who do it's we really- know? That's 10 it's- to 14. <laughs> Well, I think it's really focused on the UK and Germany for this one, but really hoping that they bring this to the US too. Uh, I honestly might start watching this instead of the regular broadcast. (laughs) In all all serious notes, it's it's super awesome to get kids into the sport early in a fun and accessible way. And just a side plug for those who don't know, Nico Rosberg has been dedicating his post F1 life to sustainability. He founded the Green Tech Festival, has an extreme e-team. So I just love that he's using his time to make the sport better on that front, on getting kids into the sport. It's go Nico. Wow. Uh, complimenting Lewis's sworn <laughs> arch nemesis. Well, he's out of the sport now, so I'm allowed to do that. True. <laughs> sure. This is so exciting. It's going to be so cute. Last piece of news, there's rumors of an Alfa Romeo and Haas deal. So as we've discussed before, Alfa Romeo's partnership with Saudi, with Saudi, with Sauber is up at the end of the season and they've yet to announce any future sponsorship plans. But there are reports that the Alfa Romeo and the Haas execs met with the Monaco GP to finalize a supposed two-year contract. So it's not confirmed or anything yet, but if it were to happen, it would probably look very similar to what Alfa Romeo has done with Sauber in the past. So could mean a potential name change for Haas, some new sponsors, and of course, some new livery. So excited to see if that gets announced. We all need a little extra health booth sometimes, and Fleur Marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness. Their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine. We just stick them on wherever we want. They have them for sleep, relaxation, focus, and other things. And the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way, and the results last up to 12 hours. Fleur Marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder, Green Machine. They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production. And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it every day. Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code for the girls at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code for the girls for 20% off your first order. Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Tacova's your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tacova's. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal. And with regular live music and events, there's really no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tecovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. For our special topic, we are doing an Alonzo deep dive. So where to even begin with the man of the moment right now? There's so much to discuss with his two plus decades of racing. 
He's a two-time champion with Renault in the early 2000s. He's also driven for McLaren, Ferrari, Minardi, and now Aston Martin. He's a two-time Le Mans winner and a big personality in the paddock. So let's dive in. Some general highlights. He's 41 and the oldest driver on the grid. He has the record for the most F1 starts ever. He also has 32 wins. As we said, his last win was 10 years ago. And his talent commands a lot of respect in the paddock, even among the younger generation of drivers who weren't able to kind of race with him at his previous prime. There was a great New York Times article about his comeback. And Max said in that article, quote, I think Fernando should have won a lot more races than he has done. I think he deserves a lot more. So I'd be quite happy to see him win number 33. But in a way, I would also like to see him win more. So we'll see in the coming races. I wonder if, if Max is going to agree with that statement as Alonso like, passes him at the Spanish Grand <laughs> We shall see. For early life, Alonso was born in 1981 in Oviedo, Spain. He does not come from a wealthy background. His dad was a mineshaft explosives factory mechanic, which is wild. And his mom was a department store employee. His dad was also an amateur carter, and actually he built a cart for Alonso's older sister, who was not interested in it. So it went to Alonso at age three, starting Whoa. them early. <laughs> and his family couldn't really afford to develop his karting career. They couldn't afford things like rain tires. So he had to get used to slicks in wet conditions, things like that. So it was definitely a challenge to get started, but he definitely did get started. He won a couple Spanish junior national championships, which allowed him to progress to the karting world championships and then he made his racing debut in 1999 at 17 with the euro open by nissan in which he won the title and then went on to international formula 3000 and into f1 he went and never and looked back <laughs> recap is over <laughs> so in f1 so he started his f1 career at the old team minardi in 2000 so in 1999 he was given the chance to test an F1 car at Jerez as part of the Euro Open. He became Minardi's reserve driver for 2000 and officially joined them as a driver in 2001. It wasn't a particularly competitive season or a car. He didn't score any points, but it really got his foot in the door so that in 2002, he became the test driver for Renault. And as part of the quest to get better, he worked with the engineering department to improve the current driver's Giancarlo Fisichella and then Jensen Button's performance, so he was very hands-on. He got promoted to a full-time seat in 2003. He broke the record of youngest driver to win a pole position and youngest race winner, which, of course, Max has since broken. In 2005, Alonso won his first championship, became the youngest driver's champion, and he battled with Schumacher in 2006 for the championship and won it by the last race. So, like, super young, winning the championship, taking it from Schumacher is a huge deal. Yeah, he was 24. That's kind of giving Max energy. <laughs> in 2007, Alonso moved to McLaren and famously was teammates with none other than Lewis Hamilton, where they did not get along. And that's kind of an understatement. It was a, one of the most famous F1 feuds of all time. <laughs> like they contract were, termination, not getting along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were neck and neck in the championship. They had multiple incidents throughout the season, and it got so bad that Alonso and McLaren terminated the contract by mutual consent in November of that season. I feel like you definitely see kind of little remnants of that now with some of the commentary <laughs> between Lewis and Alonso. 
It's funny. I feel like Lewis has, has let it slide, but Alonso loves to just keep coming back. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Alonso then went back to Renault in 2008 since McLaren had stipulated he couldn't join any teams that were direct competitors. These were not the most performative years. And in 20, 2009, he finished the lowest in the drivers' championship since 2003. But the defining moment of this stint was the famous Crashgate scandal in 2008. So for those that don't know, that's when his teammate at the time, Nelson Piquet Jr., crashed during the Singapore Grand Prix to give Alonso an advantage. So that has recently come up again, as we've talked about in the news. But yeah, Alonso was a part of that of that scandal. And then Ferrari, he went to Ferrari. So he had initially agreed to drive for Ferrari in 2009, but when the team extended both Massa and Raikkonen's contracts 2010, he had to stick with Renault. But in the middle of the 2009 season, he got an agreement to drive with the team. And then that was an amazing season. He won five races, finished second in the championship. 2011 wasn't as great. He only had one win. But in 2012, he came within only three points of winning his third championship title for a third time and called that his best ever season. So very exciting. I think he lost that to Vettel, right? 2012? Yeah. Yeah. 2013 was just as strong. He finished in second overall again, and his last year in 2014 was a complete 180. He was winless for the first time in five years, so a little bit of a Ferrari roller coaster as we as we have seen with other drivers as well. So this next move, I feel like, is a move that a lot of people do because for whatever reason, McLaren has this like zest and up and coming vibe that everyone wants. So. Alonso was determined for another championship. He went back to McLaren just as they were renewing their partnership with Honda as their engine supplier. Um, he was like, they were all excited. Like, this is going to be a great time for you. Like, come on in. And then what followed was just like three years of a very slow, very unreliable car. And then Alonso and the team just dropped way back to both of the tables, the constructors and the driver's championships. And actually, this is crazy. He was so frustrated with McLaren that he skipped the 2017 Monaco GP and then went and raced at the Indy 500 in the Honda car. (laughs) Um, That's so funny. Did you see, side note, did you see in the press conferences, I think it was, that Max and Alonso were like giving responses to something, but they were freaking out about missing the start of the Indy 500. They kept looking at each other and like touching their like wrists to indicate like time. Like, is it starting? Is it started? They were like, (laughs) get us out of here. It's like, we love (laughs) to see that support. (laughs) Um, Well, there's a lot more of that to come for Alonso. But in 2018, McLaren managed to convince him to stay because they switched from Honda to Renault power units that also didn't go super well. So Alonso just continued to flex by that (laughs) season. He also raced at the six hours of Spa and the 24 hours of Le Mans. And then for 2019 and 2020, he took an F1 hiatus. And again, baller move. He won the FIA World Endurance Championship and the 24 hours of Le Mans twice. So he unretired in 2021. And now he's the oldest driver on the grid. Like we said, he's 41. (laughs) But still quite a youthful energy. (laughs) (laughs) for alpine in 2021 to 2022 it's important to remember here that renault rebranded as alpine so even though kind of a lot of changes was essentially returning to his kind of mid-2000s controversy ridden stint at renault in 2021 he was p10 in the championship in 2022 he was p9 last year as we all remember he got super frustrated 
with Alpine reliability. They really wanted to bring him back for another year, but reportedly they were concerned about his age and may have only offered him a one-year contract. They also wanted to give a shot to reserve driver Piastri after maybe a year, but Alonso wanted a multi-year contract. So there were much more discussion last year on whether Alonso <laughs> should retire. Some hot take there. Like Any take back? myself now. <laughs> Well, we did talk about this when he was doing well at the beginning of the season, and I feel like we all appreciate the entertainment, and we are happy that he is back in top form. So while I still think it's good to give younger drivers a chance, I definitely take back the retire now (laughs) stance that I had. (laughs) And then famously, Alonso burned the Alpine bridge to the ground by telling them via a press release that he was actually going to Aston Martin last August, kicking off one of the craziest silly seasons ever. I kind of want that drama again this year. I'm not going to lie. It It was was so fun. It was so fun. (laughs) That was a very stressful period in my life because I was doing full-time jury duty, a full-time job, and then (laughs) silly season was happening. (laughs) (laughs) So Aston Martin, which is current day, this brings us to the stroll Alonso dynamic that we never knew we needed. We really didn't. <laughs> and I'll I'll take back this one. I insisted so many times. I was like, this is gonna be a total disaster. Too many big personalities. Alonso's gonna feud with them. And now they all <laughs> seem to genuinely be best friends so i take that back yeah they really do it's sweet i i hope it's not just pr i really feel like they have a good relationship and Mm, i feel like it could just be pr i don't i don't know alonso has nothing to like compete with right now in stroll like if stroll was competing with him neck and neck maybe it would get a little more spicy but i think alonso likes stepping into this dad role of like I'm on podium every race and I'm just going to comment on how well you did on that turn (laughs) yeah and it totally fits with kind of his history with the Stroll family of being a big brother figure yeah I mean he clearly really believed in the Lawrence Stroll growth plan for Aston Martin and in turn I think Stroll believed in Alonso enough to offer him a multi-year deal which has worked out so far And Alonso and Stroll have been friends for a while, so that's part of why the deal got done so quickly. Alonso recently told the New York Times that he hung out with the Strolls when Lance was karting when he was like 12 years old, which is so cute. And of course, Alonso also added that he has hung out with Lawrence on his yacht in Monaco. So anyway, the rest is history here. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay, let's talk about his reputation. No pun intended. Do any of our Taylor Swift <laughs> girlies want to make a comment? <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> first, I don't know how Tiggy and I have made it this far without yet discussing that we went to Taylor Swift on MetLife. Our friend of the pod, Allison, made the caption of a certain light show, quote, our souls leaving our bodies at MetLife, which I think is an accurate statement. It's fully accurate. Yeah, that was probably one of the best nights of my life. And it does feel fitting that we're talking about it during the Alonso deep dive. So that's all we'll say. <laughs> Tragically, Alonso, yeah, sadly, he had other commitments that weekend. He was racing in Monaco, but his reputation precedes him. There is a lot of bad blood in Alonso's history. <laughs> okay, so... Like I myself, I'm sorry. <laughs> Moving on from the T Swift puns. Like other multi world champions, a la Hamilton and Vettel, his reputation, Alonso's reputation, has changed a lot over the seasons. This season, he's like dad, older brother, which I 
stand by the fact that I think he's up to something. Um, don't know quite what, but it just ever the cynic when he's like watering the plants in the background for like it's a bit. I don't like it, but historically he's been <laughs> he's been known for having really tough relationships with his teammates and teams. Even recently, he made some spicy comments about Lewis, and their feud was almost twenty years ago. So some highlights. In the 2000s era, he was accused of break testing multiple times. With his feud, with his Hamilton feud era at McLaren, at one point he blatantly impeded Hamilton in qualifying, which caused him to be stripped of pole. And of course, there is Crashgate. And then we'll have to do a deep dive of it at some point. But Alonso was also at McLaren in 2007 during Spygate, which was another very historic scandal where. McLaren illegally possessed Ferrari confidential information. They were fined $100 million, one of the largest sports fines ever. And uh, yeah, they were disqualified from the Constructors' Championship. But And Lewis was his teammate then too. I feel like we should do a deep dive on just that whole season. Because imagine a Lewis Alonso feud at McLaren while they were illegally spying and ended up being fined $100 million. <laughs> it's insane. But now in his career renaissance, as we shall call it, Alonso seems to be quite mature. He's, he's definitely tongue-in-cheek about his reputation, as he put it in the most recent season of Drive to Survive, quote, in Formula One, there always has to be good characters and bad ones, heroes and anti-heroes. I'm on the dark side. <laughs> but not anymore. He's so nice. We'll I love see. Him right now. We'll his PR see. team is putting in work. <laughs> Yep. In terms of his future, details of his Aston Martin contract are not known, but it's thought that he's on a multi-year deal through at least 2024. So we're going to see what the future brings for him. Anyone have guesses or hot takes? Another world championship. No, okay. I don't know. He might not have enough Wow. That was hotter than I was expecting. <laughs> he might not have time. Yeah, I think probably not another world championship unless he stays through 2026, which might be a little bit of a stretch, but I definitely see him staying at least another two years I feel like he's in peak form clearly loving it right now so I'm I'm definitely not expecting him to retire anytime soon I want him to be driving at 50 years old I really do <laughs> I've done a complete 180 from my retire now Alonso you're too old <laughs> Let's go. So a crazy fun fact is that the oldest person to win an F1 race I think it was back in the 50s or 60s so obviously it was very different but he was in his 50s so Alonso would have to last that long in order to break that record. I mean, he's broken. He's he's breaking a lot of records. Remember when he broke the record for most laps last year? Yeah, I that, race. that was funny. Well, we'll see what the future has in store, but I'm glad we got to give him his moment as he's having his moment this season. But we will see you all on the other side for a very special recap. So stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> 